You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Happy Wednesday and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Elise Schaefer, and I use she, her pronouns. I'm your co-host, Gemma Israf. I also use she, her pronouns. Awesome. Gemma, thank you so much for coming on the show. We've kind of talked a little bit, but this is our first time recording together and very excited for us to chat about just random things and also our New Year's resolutions. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me on. And I do have to say congratulations on becoming the host of this show. That was really fun news to hear. Thank you. I'm very excited. It's been pretty good so far. I recorded an episode with Nick that's going to air kind of before this one or maybe split between this one. and But by the time people are listening to this episode, they will have heard the one with Nick where I kind of talk through what it's been like to take it over and like finding kind of my footing and getting like all of the stuff sort of figured out. So it's been very exciting and I'm very grateful to have been asked to take over. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. I remember in your first episode, you said you usually do three month check-ins. So I was going to ask how the three month check-in was going, but it sounds Mm -hmm. like you've already covered that on an episode I'll hear soon. Yeah. Yes, I have. I mean, I can give kind of a, a recap, I guess. In the last episode, we talked about possible ideas for things to do with the show. And one of them was to have like a previously on the podcast segment at the beginning. Oh, nice. (laughs) But yeah, no, I mean, I think I've been doing my three months kind of check in and figuring stuff out. And I think part of that is going to be informed by what my New Year's resolution is this year. But it's been really good. I think there was a little bit of stumbling in the beginning where the recording ended up being fine, but a lot of the production side stuff was like took some getting used to. Like one of the questions I had was just like, oh, I've got to send an invoice. How do I send an invoice? I've never had to do that before. Right, right. So there was a lot of stuff like that that took a little bit of trial and error and like stuff, but it's been going really well. And I think I've got some ideas and I've kind of found my groove with the show, which is good. It's been easier to sort of talk with guests, I would say. Yeah, I must say, I won't ask more about the changes because I hear that I'll hear those in the future, but I have really enjoyed so far your conversational style and the way you've been interviewing and even the little things you've been trying out. Like I really like the live from the hallway track episode. I thought that was very creative. Thank you. I got so much good feedback on that episode. Like people sent me emails or I used to have a contact form on my website before I completely changed it to just be an email link. I had so many people who said, this was such a good idea. Do more like this. Are you going to RailsConf? And I was like, good. That's great. I was kind of nervous about that episode, to be honest, because I wasn't really sure how it was going to go. But everyone seemed to love it. So, Yeah, it was awesome. I think it really just gave you a sense. Even there was like a little background noise. And I was like, oh, it feels like there are other people around. And I'm just listening to this conversation going on, which was fun. That's mostly thanks to Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Which actually... Paul was a huge reason why that episode turned out, I think, because he helped me find a recorder. He kind of gave me advice on like how to do the recordings and ended up being very good. How have things been for you? You gave a talk at RubyConf about, it's now called PRISM, right? Yes. Yeah, I did give a talk at RubyConf about my work on PRISM and the compiler too. Things right at the moment are a little busy. Ruby releases on Christmas. And since I work on Ruby, we're in T minus 12 days right now, and it it definitely feels like crunch time. I guess I don't know if this episode will be released before or after Ruby. Uh, This is going to be probably the second week of January. Okay, nice. Yeah. So (laughs) so I do feel a a little busy and in crunch time right now, but otherwise things are well. Nice. That's awesome. I'm happy to hear that. So for the listeners, 
in the last couple of years, you and Brittany did a New Year's resolution episode where you talked about your New Year's resolutions and kind of came up with new ones for the new year. I thought this was a good tradition. And I'd like to keep that going. So today we are going to talk about what our resolutions were for the previous year and what our resolutions are for 2024, which it feels kind of crazy that 2024 is only a couple weeks away at this point, or by the time you're listening to this, it's already 2024. So Gemma, what was your New Year's resolution last year? Yeah. So the one I talked about on the podcast was I really wanted to make it easier for folks to contribute to Ruby meaningfully. I re-listened to that episode last year and I don't know if you always do New Year's resolutions. I always do and I love them. I especially love if I write them down or record audio or something about them and I hear back where I was. Yeah. So that was my goal for the year for sure. Nice. That's awesome. How do you think you did? I think I did okay. I think it wasn't my strongest performance on a goal, but I think there were some concrete things I did that I'm really proud of. I think right now it's the bug system Ruby uses is definitely in a different place and a different tool than folks are used to. And the wiki used to be there too. And I think one of the things I accomplished this year that I was quite proud of was moving the wiki over to GitHub where hopefully folks are more familiar with it and can use it more. I gave a talk at Ruby Kaigi about contributing to CRuby that I think was pretty helpful. And I think with my work on Prism, there have been some new folks contributing, but I feel like it was more kind of one-off efforts along the goal than a sustained kind of incremental progress thing, which is where I feel like I could have been stronger. I mean, I think it's important though, that like you did still embrace that part of it, right? Like you were still contributing and, and moving and trying to help the Ruby community out. And that, so I, I mean, I think, you know, we don't always have to make our resolutions always have to be all consuming for our entire lives, right? Yes, absolutely. True. Absolutely. Do you usually set resolutions? So yes, kind of. My resolutions tend to be broader, more thematic focuses. So a good example, I used to set concrete resolutions where it was like, I want to finish this project by this time, or I want to reach. And I used to set like more concrete ones, but then I always just fell off in like the middle of February. (laughs) So what I started to do was to think about like things that I value and then focus on those values as like a thematic goal for the year. And what I found when I did that was that it it was much easier to stick with it and much easier for it to have like follow through. So kind of talked a little bit about this on the show previously, but towards the beginning of, of last year, I had sort of by accident stepped away from the community and had been kind of really focused on just workplace stuff. So mm-hmm. my big kind of resolution last year was to, or I guess this year, but last year as you're listening to this, was to really focus on the community and focus on being a part of the community and trying to build various communities. So whether that's like a community within my workplace or a community outside of the workplace or a community for just interests that I have, like reading or recycling, it was really, for me, it was about trying to build connections with people so that I could build communities around the things that I enjoy doing and care about. How do you feel you did towards the theme? I think I did very well. I found quite a few cycling groups. So now I've got like a bunch of cycling friends and we organize well, it's the winter right now, so we're not we're not riding very much right now. But in the summer, I had kind of made a lot of cycling friends. I started doing book clubs and stuff with other friends. I took over this podcast, which I think yeah. is helping me build a community within the Ruby community and helping me contribute to the Ruby community. So I would say overall, I did very well. I think it was a success and I'm happy with where things landed at the end of the year. 
Nice. Congratulations. How did you find those communities? I guess the cycling one and the book club and... Yeah. So the cycling one, I started by having a friend who went cycling with me. (laughs) Hi, Julie, if you're listening. But we decided to go to various riding meetups and various group rides. So there's a couple in the Denver area that we went to. There's one that I like in particular. It's called Fems and Nems. It's like women and non-binary cycling group. And it meets just like literally right down the street from me. It meets oh, nice. They ride around the city. And I've made quite a few friends from that. So really just finding people who were already knew were interested in cycling and then doing things with them that helped us meet new people. And then meetups were a big part of that for cycling, for sure. The book club was a little bit different. It's sort of the same thing. I had one friend who was in a book club who invited me to the book club because he knew I was like looking for reading friends. So I, I think if you were to look at those, it's kind of like I have someone who is already part of my friend group or my community, if you will, who already knows that I'm interested in that thing, who is also interested in it and just sort of expanding and taking and focusing on it that way. That's how I did those two in particular. Yeah. If I try to extract like a a bigger lesson from there, something that I think seems applicable, it's being vocal about your goals and being vocal about Mm -hmm. what you're looking for. So it's one thing to have friends who share interests. It's another thing to tell them that you're looking to get more into the interests very explicitly. So they invite you along and things like that. Yeah. I think this is like a parallel to something that you told me about, which was this, the luck surface area Mm. thing where it's like the more you talk about your interests and the more you talk about things that you enjoy and you're passionate about, the more opportunities you have for those things to pay off, which is very interesting because since I've started doing a lot of that stuff, I feel like a lot of things have just gone my way, (laughs) which is nice. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm a big believer in luck surface area and in in creating opportunities to get lucky. And then sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy too, right? Because like just by chance, like the more you are out in the world talking about the things that you love doing and you're passionate about, the more people are going to take notice and the more opportunities are going to come your way related to them. So it's like the act of being more vocal and being more involved and passionate and vocal about the things that you like itself helps you have more luck in that area, which is really kind of empowering, actually. I definitely think it's empowering. I think it's also interesting. I think what you hinted at maybe was this concept of, oh, do you need to be really kind of center of attention, like vocal about it? I think especially knowing many developers, myself definitely included, are more introverted, like how to think about being vocal about your interests and going out and trying to do things, even when it may not seem like the easiest route. Yeah, it can be very difficult. I had someone who asked me recently about like, how do you get comfortable speaking in front of people? And my answer was like, well, you just have to do it more often. And then my answer was like, well, I have an editor, so my editor makes sure I sound good. But in a real sense, like if looking for like, how are you going to be more vocal or how are you going to get into a community? You probably already have a small community. I mean, especially for, for developers, you're probably like you have coworkers, you have friends who might be also coders. And I think it can be a little bit difficult to go into a room full of strangers who you don't know. And especially in tech sometimes, I mean, the Ruby community is generally pretty welcoming, but in tech, it can be a little bit intimidating to go up to people who you think know more than you and try to, I don't think about it this way, but to be part of their world is kind of the phrase that's in my mind. But like, if you have a friend who's also interested in those things and can go with you, that can kind of help you build those communities and break into those things and increase your luck surface area. 
Yeah, absolutely. I really liked your example about going to the biking groups with Julie, because I think the worst case scenario for what happens if you go to a biking group is it doesn't go well. And if you have a friend there, it's, oh, at least you have a friend you can still talk to and hang out with. Yeah. And then the worst case scenario gets a lot better. Right, exactly. And that was entirely why I did it. I live in Colorado and people are very extreme, maybe, in their outdoors activities. There's a lot of people who are very, very, very good. And very, very, I mean, for cycling, skiing, snowboarding, climbing, there are people who are very strong in those things. So having someone who's a friend and can kind of help you not have a bad time if it turns into a bad time. I think the same can apply for going to conferences or something like that. If you find someone early on to just hang out with throughout the conference Mm -hmm. and be a bit of a sounding board and go with you to introduce yourself to other people and things like that, it can be really helpful. This episode is brought to you by Honey Badger. Monitoring, like web development, can be complicated. There are tons of tools and techniques, but you just want to know that your app is up and running and that your customers are happy. When your customers encounter a problem, you need clear, actionable intelligence, not walls of charts and reams of logs to tail. That's why we built Honey Badger, the monitoring tool we have always wanted. A tool that's where you need it, when you need it, and it gets out of your way when you don't, so you keep shipping. With Honey Badger, you can know when critical errors occur and which customers are affected. You can respond instantly when your systems go down. You can improve the health of your systems over time. And of course, fix problems before your customers can report them. Honey Badger is the application health monitoring tool built for you, the developer who cares about a quality product and happy customers. Start monitoring today at honeybadger.io. Honey Badger is free for small teams and setup takes as little as five minutes. Once again, that is honeybadger.io. Link is in the show notes. So what about 2024? What are you looking at for 2024? Yeah, it's interesting you bring up themes. There are definitely two things running through my mind. I haven't sat down and formally written either of these right now, but I was thinking about more of a theme actually around sustainability, specifically like sustainability of habits. Mm -hmm. I I said that to someone and he was like, oh, this sounds so cheesy. But when you go to the concrete examples, I think hopefully less so. Sustainability of habits is like kind of a more, I guess, personal life or personal side. I think professionally something I'm really, really interested in setting a goal around and I don't know how to be so concrete about this is learning more about AI. I feel Like I do not have a ton of knowledge on the topic at the moment, at least a ton of deep knowledge. I think I follow the news about it, but I don't think I have deep understandings of the technology and I'd love to strengthen that. Yeah, I mean, I think AI is such an interesting one. I think for a while I just sort of avoided it because like I didn't, I was kind of off on my own doing stuff and I'm kind of curious, what are there things about AI that you think would be particularly helpful or that you're particularly interested in learning more about? Yeah, I think how it works under the surface. But I think the main rationale there is its continued growth and continued larger and larger role in our world seems pretty inevitable. And I think when that happens and when something's growing in our world and it's something out of my interests or out of what I could study and enjoy, it's one thing. But this is definitely within my wheelhouse in terms of topics that I think I could find interesting and also that I think are pretty important to understand deeply. And so I think with that combination, I'm definitely just eager to learn more about nice. specifically things that I don't know about how it works under surface. I've listened to some podcasts and things like that. And every part I learn just makes me want to learn more. I so mean, I that's pretty good. It's like nice when you find something where you just sort of have like an intrinsic excitement about 
the topic or about learning more or about being involved in it, that's really helpful and kind of powerful thing when you're learning something new. Yeah, it also seems like it's a field where there are so many discoveries actively taking place. And so kind of in my head, just want to catch up to the point at which I can understand the new discoveries or what's happening and what's changing and what the implications are and begin to think about it on a bit of a broader scale. Awesome. Well, I look forward to hearing more about what you learn in the AI space. (laughs) So for the habits, the sustainability of habits, have you read Atomic Habits? Atomic Habits. I have not read Atomic (laughs) Habits. Have you read it? I have not read it. (laughs) I was hoping you could give me like a TLDR. So I guess maybe let's take it a different way. Like when you say sustainability of habits, you mean building habits into your routine or what does that look like in making a habit sustainable? Yeah, I actually reading is an interesting one you touch on. I enjoy reading. I definitely enjoy reading when I'm reading a book I enjoy and then I'll get through the book. And if I don't go right on to the next one, I just can stop reading for months. I think people often set New Year's goals around reading, which I think are awesome. I don't specifically mean that, but I think there are things in that field that I'd like to be better at. Even, I guess, one that's maybe interesting to the listeners and definitely applicable is like sustainability of WNB, for instance, of like, it's a community I really value. I think we've done a pretty good job of making it mostly community driven, but it can still go through a bit of ebbs and flows where it's like, oh, the Slack is quieter or louder. And how do we make that more sustainable and more consistent? How do we make finances there more sustainable and more consistent? How do we make sponsorship more sustainable? All of that in kind of most aspects of my life is something I want to think more about and think more about how to concretely structure goals so that things are just kind of happening sustainably. And it's not, oh, I have to sit and think about how to concretely get the WMB Slack going a little bit Mm -hmm. more again, or concretely come up with a new idea for a sponsorship. But it's more of just these are happening in a way that's sustainable and that doesn't require so much spikiness or one-off investment. I forget where I heard this originally, but I'm sure there's a book about it or maybe I've heard it repeatedly. So I don't remember where I originally heard it, but I've heard it in a couple different places. And it's this idea that you should build systems into your life that make things the things you want to do easier. So if you want to get better at cycling, let's say you want to get better at cycling, Mm -hmm. like a good system for that might be to sign up for Zwift or Trainer Road or one of these platforms where you can hook your bike up to a trainer and do workouts that are actually measuring your performance and track them, right? That's maybe a more cumbersome example than maybe more gentle example would be like, you want to make more meals at home. Well, an easy way to make more meals at home or not eat out as much would be to like a system for that would be making sure that my pantry is always stocked, making sure I have stuff in the freezer to like to cook instead of going out. And things that are easy and fast to make too, because, but building like a system around what you want to do, I think is kind of a powerful idea. And it's sort of like a little bit, it sounds like what you're talking about on the sustainability side of. of Oh, absolutely. I think even easy example for me is like my email inbox. I definitely go through ebbs and flows where I'm like, I'm just going to clean out this whole thing. And then it gets chaotic and I don't have a good sustainable habit around Mm -hmm. not letting it get to that point. And I would love to live more in the like evenness than the spikiness. And I think that's going to be a lot of what I think about in 2024. Nice. Yeah. How about you? What's top of mind? So I think for me, kind of a big thing that I want to prioritize this year is pursuing my values more. So maybe let's let's take it from like professional and not and like outside of work stuff. I think 
a big thing is I obviously have a big value in community. Like we, we were just talking about that. And I have kind of a strong value on empowering other people. So at work, that's like empowering your team and building like a strong community there. I think for me, a big focus for this year for me is to kind of find the intersection of what I'm good at, which is code and my values, the things that I value very strongly. And that's things like community, building things that help people, building them in a sustainable way, that kind of stuff. So, so sort of trying to find that kind of intersection, sort of tangential to that. And this is like maybe partly in work and partly out of work is trying to focus on sharing more. So Mm. at this point, I've been doing this for a little while now, and I kind of have ideas and I have a lot of things that I could teach other people. And so focusing on how do I share the things that I know Mm. to help build up other people, I think that's a big one. So those are going to be the big things that I'm focusing on in, in 2024. When we're having this conversation next year and reflecting on it, do you think it'll be easy for you to be able to say, oh, I did a good job along these or not? That is an interesting question. So I think in terms of the values, one is a little like that's maybe a little bit harder to track because maybe not. In some sense, it can be a little subjective. I think in terms of sharing and teaching what I know and what I'm learning, I think that one would be easy to track. So I have some ideas of things that I am looking at doing and some that I'm even kind of already working on that I think would be very easy to point to and say, this is an example of following through on this theme of sharing the things that I know with the broader community. So I think that one might be a little bit easier. I think the values one is going to be maybe a little bit more subjective of, do I feel like I have contributed things that are aligned with my values? That might be a little bit subjective because I might say, yes, I feel like I did, but some outside observer could say, did you? I don't know. I guess we'll see. On that one, I think it matters more what you think, but I agree. Yeah, I think one thing, I mean, to the sustainability thing, one thing I also want to figure out is how to sustainably like check in on if I'm hitting my goals and doing what I want to be doing. I mean, every year since I'm a kid, I've thought about resolutions like around this time of year, but then a kind of whole year goes by where you're not really critically thinking about your goals and how you're doing. And and you might do it in a one-off sense, but definitely not sustainable or by you, I mean me in this conversation. Yeah. I might do it in a one-off sense, but definitely not in a sustainable, I'm continuously checking in on this kind of way. Are you familiar with bullet journaling at all? I am. I've tried that a bit. I've tried it a bit in the past and I fall off. Yeah. Have you do yeah. bullet journal? I have also tried it a bit in the past and then I've kind of fallen into a note-taking system that's just like, it's more based around like having a list of things every day. Here's things I did. Here's things didn't do, but my note-taking system is less rigid, I would say, than a bullet journal. But like the reason that I asked that is because part of the bullet journal system is doing this monthly review at the end of the month before starting the next month. And so that's what I thought of when you were talking about how do I check in to make sure I'm sticking to this goal. So you might be able to do something like that where you... Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Or I've, I've read recently about people doing it on like a weekly cadence too, which I find really interesting of just a weekly, almost self-retro mm-hmm. of like you spend an hour every Saturday or something looking back at the previous week and looking towards the next week and figuring out what micro adjustments you can make. I think something like that, if I could figure out a sustainable way to implement it too, sounds very interesting to me. And then you could write a whole blog post about how it went. Down. You could be you could become a productivity YouTuber. 
I definitely don't think that is my niece, but maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, it's what I'm thinking about, at least. I think your theme-based goals are really interesting. I like that idea quite a bit. So when I started doing this, I was at a company where you had to make yearly goals. And the yearly goals were these like smart goals, the specific, right. measurable, actionable. Um, actionable, like action. Yeah, I don't remember what SMART stands for. but Let's find it. Let's find it. The one that I always struggled with was specific because a year is a really long time. In software, a year is an eternity. So to make goals that are specific in January, by the time August rolls around, those goals are probably not relevant anymore. And that always just sort of, I always felt weird about that because I would feel like I set this goal, but then I don't hit it. And then I would have like a conversation with my manager about, well, this other thing that I did do could fit the goal if we redefine it more broadly. (laughs) Um, And it just felt weird because obviously the thing I actually did was the thing that was most important to the business. But like I had set a goal for something that was Totally that we didn't unrelated. Know yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's specific. I was wrong. It's specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't currently do OKRs at work. I've done them in previous things. And even that, even if it's over like a quarterly basis, by the time we get a month mm-hmm. or two in, priorities have shifted or something like that. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show and for sitting down and talking with me. We have to get more episodes in, yeah, in, thank in you. the new year. Thank you so much for having me on. I This has been fun to, to get to chat with you. Yes, I've enjoyed it. I hope the listeners also enjoyed it. And if you are listening and you have a New Year's resolution that you'd like to share with us, we did set up an email that you can email into. It's comments, that's plural, so C-O-M-M-E-N-T-S, at the com. You can send text or record a comment using voice memos or Google Recorder on your phone, and we'll respond to some of those in a future show. This has been the Ruby on Rails podcast. As always, it's a pleasure talking with Gemma. Thanks to Paul, our wonderful editor over at Peachtree Sound for making us sound like professionals. And thank you for listening. You're a gem. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.